0: It's Film Week on LA, it's 89.3. I'm Larry Mantle. Wonderful to have you with us with a trio of critics, Leah Lowenstein Andy Klein of A.V. Club and Charles Solomon of Animation Scoop and Animation Magazine. They're three of the 11 critics, 11 of them, that'll be on stage at the Orpheum Theater Sunday afternoon, March 3rd, for the 22nd annual Film Week Academy Awards preview. We'd love to have you in the audience for the event. Tickets are available at eliascom events. Make sure that you join us for what's going to be a very, very special afternoon We'll have clips of the Best Picture nominees and hear what our critics have to say. They'll duel it out over their competing views of some of the films. We begin with this week's new movies, Argyle, which is an espionage thriller starring Henry Cavill and Bryce Dallas Howard. Matthew Vaughn is the director. Jason Fuchs, the screenwriter. Andy, please start us on Argyle.
2: Well, this is entertaining, but. (laughs) And I'll get to the buts in a second. Uh, This opens with a totally implausible fight sequence, and then you discover it's not implausible because it is an author doing a book reading of her spy novel. And, you know, the camera pulls back and we see her with her fans. But, of course, what happens shortly thereafter is she runs into real spies and they're after her, and it has something to do with her books. Uh, Sam Rockwell is the spy who is at times trying to protect her. We think maybe, maybe not sometimes. And so she gets involved in all this action stuff that she's totally unequipped for. Uh the film has a great cast. Um it's got Richard E. Grant, it's got uh Brian Kath-
0: Cranston, yep. Catherine O'Hara.
2: Yep, Catherine O'Hara and Brian C- Cranston as the well, I can't say what who they're playing actually. Samuel L. <laughs> Jackson,
0: away. Ariana yeah. Debose, John Cena. It's a terrific cast and most
2: of them are very good. But the problem here is this film is over 2 hours. It is one plot convolution after another. And some of them could have been absolutely exercised without losing anything in the film.
0: <laughs> Leo, what do you think of *Argyle*?
1: Yeah, I agree with Andy. You know, it started kind of promisingly. There, there are some twists and turns, and some good action set pieces, and it almost has the feeling of like a lighter, very spirited Bond film. Um, and then it sort of veers off in some different directions and you know the the setup supposedly is that well she just knows too much about the about her characters and they sort of presage things that happen in other actual spy craft and so that's why she's the target of this, these other spy agencies and so forth but um, there it gets even weirder and weirder there's a lot of stuff we can't say but there's a number of set pieces that just go way over the top and andy's right could have been cut off it could have it it probably should have been about 30 minutes shorter but it's fun great cast great costumes um entertaining for the most part
0: argyle is the film rated pg-13 in wide release Orion and the Dark uh, is an animated adventure comedy uh, directed by uh, Sean Sharmatz. Uh, Charlie Kaufman, of course, the screenwriter, also director, is the screenwriter of Orion and the Dark. It's on Netflix. Charles, what did you think?
3: This film reminded me of, and I may be dating myself, Tom Lear's old song about Loboshevsky. When his first book is published, every element in it was taken from something else. This is essentially a Christmas carol retold through the diary of a wimpier kid with bits from uh, Inside Out, from Meet the Robinsons, from Soul, from Wreck-It Ralph, from The Princess Bride. Many of these
0: terrific films. Yes,
3: well, they were in the original, yes. Uh, Orion, our title character, is... An 11-year-old who is still terrified of the dark in the entire world and clearly needs either therapy or ether. <laughs> and he meets dark personified because he's so afraid of the dark who is looks like uh, f- the ghost of Christmas present made out of smoke. And he talks like a mixture of Bender in Futurama and Wreck-It Ralph. And he's really a good guy, but he has just this tough job and nobody likes him because of it, uh, which is, of course, Wreck-It Ralph. And they go on a series of adventures. They learn lessons. They take up with some other night creatures, dreams and sleep and uh, insomnia. None of them terribly original. And then suddenly he's dealing... You see him grown up talking to his own daughter uh, named Hypatia, which is a bit questionable. Uh, And she comes... She's not only hearing the story, she's acting into it and getting into it. And it just... It talks and it talks and it talks and it talks. And there's, there just isn't an original idea in it. Orion in the Dark, which is strange from a Charlie
0: Kaufman screenplay especially. I know it's adapted from a children's book by Emma Yarlett, but but still we think of Charlie Kaufman as doing highly original writing. Orion in the Dark, Lael.
1: You know... Charles, I think you... <laughs> oh, I hear what's coming. Yeah. are All right, I'm, Charles. I'm with, you're I mean, in big trouble. Charles, Charles. I, I, look, I'll I'm go her. stand I'm, in the corner. Well, hang on there, boys. Um, I, You're not wrong in that it is derivative. And by the way, you forgot Big Hero 6, so there's oh, a little yes, bit of, that's the, <laughs> yes, little that's of that, the too. Yeah, but... I do, I do think there are some moments of originality, like, you know, Char, Char, you can see the Charlie Kaufman neurosis sort of woven throughout the film. And at one point, you know, when the kid asks his parents to read him, uh, David Foster Wallace, because it's the biggest book on the shelf, like, you know, you, you know, there's, you're not going to see that in any other uh, animated film, really. And And I just thought, I don't know, it's, it's charming. It's, it's Clever. The t- the the sort of time switching thing was kind of neat. Um, y- it did remind me of Inside Out a little bit with all the different um, night characters that that come out. There's sleep, there's insomnia, there's dreams, there's noises, there's other things, you know, and and they're uh, all silence. sort of yes, it's, they're all personified in different little characters. But I just thought it was mostly mostly endearing and and sweet. And if you had a, if you're a parent who has a kid that is having trouble falling asleep because they're afraid of the dark, this would be a good movie to play for them.
0: But at age eleven,
1: yeah. I you, let, all right.
0: you let Charles off quite easy. Char- yeah, I expected I more been... with your one. Well, up all right. <laughs> I,
1: next time. Next time, Charles. Okay. You won't I'm... get away
0: so easy. Yeah, Andy, what do you think I'm of totally, Orion and the I'm Dark? I'm totally
2: with Lael on this. Thank you. Um, and, and what I find interesting, because I'm a huge Charlie Kaufman fan, mm-hmm. is that I assume that the book it was based on, which was a kid's book, is just the inner story of the little boy. And Charlie Kaufman adds, among other things, two layers of meta- narrative in this which you know he can't resist and I found it totally endearing and charming and it may be totally derivative but I enjoyed it no end
0: Hmm. Orion and the Dark the animated feature is streaming on Netflix directed by Sean Charmott's Charlie Kaufman the screenwriter it's rated TV Y7 the Promised Land is a Danish biographical drama starring Mads Mikkelsen and Gustav Lind. The film is directed by Nikolai Arcel. Leo, what did you think of The Promised Land?
1: This film was probably the biggest surprise of the week for me. Uh, it's it's a historical epic set in seventeen fifty-five, and it's the story of a a, a very taciturn. Soldier who comes back from war. He's got a very humble background. He himself is, I think, a bastard. And the film is called Bastarden in in Danish. So, uh, and he, all he wants, all he wants upon returning is a, is a piece of land, which is the Jutland, the heath of Denmark, which is very, you know, hostile. Land wind-swept and impossible to cultivate, and he somehow manages to get granted this land because no one thinks there's anything's ever going to grow on and to get grown on it. And the promise, the only thing he asked for is that when he's managed to cultivate the land, he gets a noble title, and um, it could, you know, and the pride of having done that. So um, from there. It gets a little more complicated because he go, he does go to this landscape and try to cultivate, has all kinds of problems, runs into a villain, and there's some people that come and stay with him. It's various characters come in and out of his life, but mainly this is sort of a Western set in Denmark. Uh, it felt very much like a John Ford film in mm. a way in that, in that the lead character played by Mads Mikkelsen, that terrific Danish actor who's in everything... Uh, is is just a man of few words. He, he works with the land. He learns to make the land his own. And there's also all this sort of mythical uh, background, you know, these codes and things that seem very much like a Western to me. It's really the story of how one man Journeys from being kind of selfish and egotistical to becoming a gentler soul and sort of more humane, but I don't want to say how. Um, but there's, it's, it's a very gripping, surprising, surprisingly riveting. Beautifully shot. A lot of the, the the images look almost like they could be a you know a vermeer or a Rembrandt or something. They're they're just so. I realize that's Dutch, but you know uh, not Danish. But but you could you you just get this feeling of walking into a painting and and it really kind of sucks you into its narrative. Despite the fact that I will f- admit when I saw that this was a costume drama set in the 18th century Denmark, I went oh no. <laughs> <laughs> so stick Dut- with it. Dutiful
0: watching, stick- not. <laughs> Stick watching, with it, and it was pleasure watching, but it was pleasurable. You'll be glad huh? you did. The Promised yeah. Land, we're talking about Danish film, uh, directed and co-written by Nikolai Arcel. What do you think, Andy? Uh,
2: I agree with Lail largely on this. Um, basically, uh, my my complaint would be that the villain was, he might as well have had a self-twirling mustache. I mean, <laughs> That's he was true. was so over the top this guy that it was almost unbelievable. However, it is all on Mads Mickelson in this film, not to say that the other actors aren't good, but it is his tra- his transformation, as well mm-hmm. said, from this guy who barely speaks, who is absolutely monomaniacal about this project he has, and is totally cut off from human contact and how what he goes through on this project, Actually, turns him into a way better human being.
1: And it's worth mentioning this was um, shortlisted for the International Film Academy Award. It's Denmark's official Oscar submission, and it, you know, it made it to the top fifteen.
0: All right, The Promised Land is rated R. It's available in select theaters. Uh, the Japanese animated fantasy drama Paprika has been re-released. It was first out in two thousand six. Charles.
3: This is the last film that Satoshi Khan made, and it brings home just what an enormous loss it was to animation and to world cinema when he died at 46, not long after completing this. Uh, the story involves a device that allows people to enter into others' dreams. And this woman who is a brilliant researcher must become the dream detective Paprika to keep terrorists from wreaking havoc in people's psyches. And even the title sequence just reminds you just how brilliant Khan was. It's shifting between reality and fantasy. You see Paprika riding down the, the freeway in a motorcycle, and then suddenly she's in the logo on a truck. She's moving through animated billboards. She's turning up in someone's screen where the user has fallen asleep at his desk. She's the logo on somebody's T-shirt. And all these shifts and movements are just smooth and effortless and fascinating, and you move between the real world and the nightmares seamlessly. He was just such an extraordinary filmmaker.
0: And and, uh, he was lost in his 40s of cancer? 46.
3: He died of, of pancreatic cancer when he was working on his first children's film.
0: We're talking about the Japanese animated feature Paprika from Satoshi Kon. Uh, based on a 1993 novel, the film was released in 2006, now being re-released. It's rated R, so this a film for adults, in select theaters next Wednesday for one night only. The film is in Japanese with English subtitles. When we come back on Film Week, we'll hear about Vim Vender's Japanese film, Perfect Day. It's Japan's uh, submission for Best International Feature. Also, we're going to be interviewing Vim Vendors later this hour, talking about Perfect Days and how we happen to get attached to this story about a man who cleans toilets in Tokyo and about his day-to-day life. We'll also hear about the documentary Dario Argento Panico uh, and find out this about the uh, filmmaker and about the... uh, Japanese, I'm sorry, Mexican uh, drama Totem. That's all coming up on Film Week with our critics. We'll be back in just one minute.
1: Support for LAS comes from Latino Theater Company at the Los Angeles Theater Center presenting American Mariachi by Jose Cruz Gonzalez. It's the 1970s and women can't be mariachis. Or can they? American Mariachi is a feel-good comedy about familia, amor, and tradicion that will send your heart soaring and put a bounce in your step with a wave of vibrant, infectious live music. On stage through June 9th, tickets and information at latinotheaterco.org.
0: It's Film Week on LA 89.3. I'm Larry Matzel, joined by critics Charles Solomon, Leah Lowenstein, and Andy Klein. Next up is Japan's entry for Best International Feature. It's one of the five finalists in that category, but it's directed by German Wim Wenders. Perfect Days is the film's drawing Koji Yakusho as a toilet cleaner in Tokyo as just a slice of his day-to-day life. Leo, what did you think of Perfect Days?
1: This is such a lovely, beautiful film, Larry, that's just magnificent in its simplicity. And it's, you know, not a lot happens in this film, as you know. It's, It's just, it observes this man... Uh, throughout his day, going to clean toilets, and by the way, toilets in Japan are not like here. They're these wonderful, these are They are spectacular. There's these architectural marvels that the that the walls go dark when you turn on the light, and it's crazy. You have to you really have to see it to believe it. But he has this meticulous beautiful life where everything is planned and he has a lot of structure. It's very, very simple. He goes to work, he tends his plants, he has lunch under the trees, he takes pictures of the trees, and it's it's a, a very very humble existence which is magnificent also because to me it struck me as almost completely analog you know he he listens to cassettes in his car he does have a a cell phone but it's a flip phone you know he has a film camera it's it's just it it's sort of the perfect antidote to our our screen addled lives and the, the lives of overstimulation that we're always living now and it's it's just so beautifully observed um the actor, Koji Yakusho, was, is probably most memorable from a film over 20, gosh, almost 30 years ago, Shall We Dance? He was mm-hmm. so lovely in that. And uh, he's just just gives a beautiful, subtle performance. And I, I just really enjoyed this film. I think it's just, it's a beautiful palate cleanser.
0: I, I loved it as well, Lael. And it just, it just... Experiencing it like you're 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 just alongside him throughout mm-hmm. his day, day after day, and the rhythm of his mm. life, which doesn't have spectacular occurrences but has beauty in it, and and connection in it. I, I was very moved by the film. And in case you're wondering, how is it that a German filmmaker ends up directing what is Japan's uh, best international feature submission? You'll find out later this hour in my conversation with Vim Venders. Andy, what did you think of Perfect Days? Uh,
2: I, I agree with Lil, although I did find it to be a little too simple for the first half hour or 40 minutes. It is very repetitious. And yes, it's a lovely ritual, but we see it several times. Mm. However, when he eventually, this is another character who does not talk practically. He mm. is utterly nonverbal, but he's very happy in his lifestyle, mm. which is... Cleaning the toilets, going home at night, reading a book, watering the plants—he has a whole bunch of little rituals. Playing tic-tac-toe with a stranger—it's um, very zen. And and it does. Uh, we do get more insight when about two-thirds through, his niece shows up, and we discover a little bit about his family and what his relationship with, with them is. But basically, this is Koji Yakusho, who's a wonderful, wonderful actor, going back to Tampopo. Oh, and, yeah, another uh, terrific film. Yeah, and uh, he's one of the best actors in Japan and has been for 30 or 40 years.
0: As someone who has a life that that is heavily routinized, mm. uh, I also appreciated seeing how he routinized his life. Mm. Perfect Days is the film from director Vim Vendors. It's written by Takuma Takasaki and Vendors. Rated PG, and again, my interview with Vendors coming up later. You can see it at the AMC Century City 15 on... Uh, on uh, next Wednesday, February 7th, and then it expands on the 16th to select theaters. The documentary Dario Argento Panico takes a look at the life of the filmmaker and interviews a number of other noted directors. Uh, Simone Scafidi is the director of the film. Andy, what do you think of this doc? Well,
2: for the most part, it's kind of a by-the-numbers biographical thing intercut with interviews with him while he's trying to write his latest script. Um, I'm a a fan, though, that I still haven't caught up on all of his films. Suspiria is the one that I recommend to everybody, which is an amazing film.
0: His most famous film.
2: Yeah, but I was stunned to see that his first film, Bird with the Crystal Plumage, apparently was number one at the U.S. box office the week it opened. I mean, that was a shock to me in 1970. Um, You get great commentary from his daughter, Asia, and uh, even better from some of the filmmakers, uh, uh, particularly Guillermo del Toro, who is so insightful that he could be one of the best film critics in the world. I mean, he really totally nails it every time.
0: Yeah, he's such a sharp guy. I love talking with Del Toro. So sharp. Dario Argento Panico is the documentary. It's streaming on the Shudder streaming service. It's unrated. Totem is a Mexican drama that's written and directed by Lila Viles. Leo, what do you think of Totem.
1: This is a lovely film, and I think it's only the second film from the up-and-coming Mexican filmmaker Lila Aviles, whose previous film was called The Chambermaid*, which was also a a remarkable, observational, very detailed and nuanced film. That's a really
0: good movie. Yeah.
1: Um, This takes place over the course of a single day. It's shot sort of mostly from the perspective of a seven-year-old girl named Sol, who is going to a surprise birthday party for her father. She's with her mother as the film opens, and... What we don't know but we sort of find out is that her father's also gravely ill. And uh, the family has also recently had another loss. So there's uh, sort of grief is at the fringes of of the festivities all the time. And grief is sort of encroaching. But being a seven-year-old girl, she, um, you know, she takes in what she takes in. And it's very sort of, um, it feels very organic and alive. It has this almost direct cinema quality, despite it being a a narrative feature. But it, it feels... The, the way the camera roves from the perspective of soul and the way she catches bits and pieces of conversation some of which she's not supposed to be hearing but we you know you 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 have this constant sort of sense of bustle and excitement but also grief and it, it's this really kind of felt very emotionally authentic, this this mixture of emotions and sensitivities. And it feels like a real family and a real family event. It feels like a very organic and alive film.
0: So, uh, starring Naima Sentias. Oh, it's ahead. also
1: Mexican's official entry to the uh, international Oscar category, and it was shortlisted as well.
0: And it's nominated for Best International Film at the Spirit Awards yes. this, this year. We're talking about the film Totem, written and directed by Lila Aviles, uh, it's unrated. You can see it at Lemley's Glendale Cinema. The Tiger's Apprentice, an animated action-adventure directed by Raman Hoi, Yong-Duk Jun, and Paul Watling. Charles, what did you think of The Tiger's Apprentice?
3: Uh, this is a perfectly competent, uh, low-budget animated film, but a lot of it you feel like you've seen before. Uh, Tom, a young Chinese-American kid, uh, suddenly discovers after she's murdered that his grandmother was keeper of this mysterious object that's a phoenix egg. And suddenly he's got protectors who are the animals of the Chinese zodiac, both in their animal forms and as humans. And the tiger, Mr. Hu, becomes sort of his tutor. And Hu is kind of this not kind of by the rules guy and uh, doesn't get a lot of respect from the others, but he's charged with training this kid to prepare him. Um The use of the Chinese zodiac animals and the training sequences invariably bring to mind the Kung Fu Panda movies, which are much better animated and at a much uh, bigger budget, just as the uh, villainous recalls uh, the evil sisters in um, Kubo and the Two Strings. Not the most original film you've seen, not a bad film, but... I don't think there's anything exceptional about it. The Tiger's Apprentice is streaming on
0: Paramount+. Plus. Andy?
2: I like this probably a little more than Charles did. I admit that we've seen this story a million times in a million forms, but I thought it was nicely done. I thought it was funny when it meant to be. Uh, It has some lovely voice work, uh, including Lucy Liu, Sandra Oh, Michelle Yeoh, and Bo and Yang as the monkey Zodiac, which he's just perfect for. Uh, it's very Hong Kong-y in a lot of ways. I mean, it opens with a ridiculous car chase, although in animation, that's not as, as impressive as when it's in live action.
0: <laughs> We're talking about the animated feature, The Tiger's Apprentice, directed by Raman Hoy, Duk Jung, and Paul Watling. It's written by David McGee, Christopher L. Yost as well. It's unrated streaming on Paramount+. Plus. How to Have Sex is a British drama starring Mia McKenna-Bruce and Lewis, Laura Peak. The film's written and directed by Molly Manning Walker in her feature directorial debut. Lael?
1: Manning Walker uh, was a cinematographer who shot a film called Scrapper, which uh, got a lot of attention at Sundance last year. And she's got a strong visual sense. She's not the DP on this, but she she kind of choreographs and, and stages everything in and fluorescent colors and uh, there's a real sense of aliveness. These are three British girls, like 17-year-olds who've just finished their A-level exams and they're in Crete on holiday and they're determined to get drunk and have sex. And so there's a feeling of sort of boisterousness and joy, but it quickly sort of turns into, uh, there's a bit of a sense of menace and dread as the girls sort of bathe themselves and soak in more and more alcohol. It, things get a little bit complicated. Uh, I, I, the title actually is kind of ironic. It's sort of more like how not to have sex. And uh, for the most part, it's pretty well acted. Mia McKenna Bruce is, is very good as the sort of lead girl. And it does bring up some questions about consent, about um, knowing what you're doing, about about you know drinking too much and so forth and it's not a moralistic film but it's it sort of raises questions and uh, it's it's interesting it did win a prize at Cannes in the uncertain regard uh, sidebar. Which I so. never
0: knew what that meant, uncertain regard. Do you know what that category represents? I think
1: it's sort of like, uh, for sort of up-and-coming directors, okay. maybe, things that they should, I've always actually... Yeah, it's sort of a strange, kind of <laughs> uncertain <laughs> like, regard. You know what, they're not quite <laughs> ready. Does that quite mean would really regard think, this film well? I think it means not ready for competition, not ready for oh, okay. prime time just yet, but maybe soon. Alright, the yeah.
0: look. How to Have Sex, the British drama is unrated and it's screening at the Alamo Draft House in downtown Los Angeles. The horror comedy Departing Seniors is directed by Claire Cooney. Jose Nateras is the screenwriter. Andy?
2: This is a perfectly adequate teen slasher film. Uh, I really enjoyed it, although you've absolutely seen everything in it a million times before. If there's anything different here, it's that the hero is a Mexican-American kid. He's gay. He's up front about it, and so he is, and he's relatively small. So all the bullies in the school are constantly tormenting him, and then somebody decides to take revenge on them for that, always making it look like a suicide, so nobody realizes that there's a serial killer happening. Uh, the leads are really likable. Um, uh, the plot actually, the final solution maybe came out of nowhere, but I think they set up the red herrings properly so that I didn't feel cheated when we find out who's behind it.
0: The film is Departing Seniors, a comedy horror film starring Ignacio Diaz-Silverio, Yanni Gelman, and Irian Roach, Claire Cooney, the director, Josena Nateras, the screenwriter. It's unrated. You can see it at Lemley's Glendale, and it's available on demand. And finally, the French sci-fi fantasy, She is Conan, which is written and directed by Bertrand Mandico. Andy? Uh, the-
2: This is a literally surrealistic film, not just surreal. This is in the tradition of Cocteau, of, say, Guy Madden, the Quay brothers. Uh, It's beautifully shot in black and white, and uh, some of it is visually really interesting, but I have to say the script is utterly repulsive, and it's filled with unnecessary gore and cannibalism. And I can't really say that I enjoyed it.
0: The unnecessary cannibalism always <laughs> yeah. disturbs me. Necessary it's, cannibalism, yes, is, I'm fine with that. It's it tasteful. If people need to eat uh, each this other, is I can't dream
2: cannibalism. Uh,
0: she is Conan. Is the French sci-fi fantasy film starring Alina Lowenson and Krista Theret. Uh, the film is unrated in French, German, and English with English subtitles at the Alamo Draft House downtown and at Lemley's NoHo Seven in North Hollywood. Now stay tuned. Coming up right after the break, Vim Wenders, the terrific German director, is with us. He's done so many wonderful films. Remember Paris, Texas with Harry Dean Stanton? But that's just a start in his um, tremendous career. We're going to be talking about the film that our critics reviewed earlier, which is Oscar-nominated for Best International Feature, Perfect Days, uh, which is just out next week in theaters, before expanding. So that's all coming up. Also want to remind you, our Film Week Academy Awards preview is just a few weeks away. It's Sunday, March 3rd, the Orpheum Theater, downtown Los Angeles. Beautiful historic venue and our beautiful critics, 11 of them on stage, who'll be talking about all the films. Also the clips from the best uh, feature films there. Tickets are available at events. I sure hope to see you there on March 3rd.